Hi there, thanks for joining me for this episode of Gravity, the digital marketing and internet business podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by small digital marketing business owners, creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to the show in your podcast player. That way you won't miss weekly new episodes as they come out, and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. This week, I'm so excited to bring you Gavin Bell. Gavin is the UK's leading Facebook ads consultant, and in this episode he shares his journey with us. Gavin knows a lot about Facebook ads, as you'd expect, but how has he gone about building his business and his personal brand? In this episode, we'll find out. So welcome along, and let's meet Gavin. So... I am delighted to welcome Gavin Bell to the podcast. Gavin is the UK's leading Facebook ad. I am so excited to have you here. I haven't told you this, but you're kind of a great case study for me in this, that there are people that you meet, and when you meet them, you realize you know much, much more about them than they know about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a bizarre experience. Um, I met you at Atomicon a little while ago and realized... I actually have a relationship with you that you don't even know about. So I'm delighted to actually get to spend some time with you uh, in real life rather than just watching your stuff online. So Gavin, do you want to tell people who you are, where you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So uh, it's so funny that you say that because um, I've, I've spoken on a couple of different stages in the last two days. And that's one of the main things I've been speaking about is the importance of creating video content because it builds the relationship with people and it allows you to build relationships with people at scale without you having to kind of be there in person with that person. But my story, I guess, starts up in the Shetland Islands. I, was bor- I was, wasn't born in Shetland, but I grew up in Shetland for until the age of 18, and, and just before moving down to, to Manchester, actually, to study at a business academy down there. And it was, um, it was down there that I decided to get into, into business and, and, and making Starting starting a business working with personal trainers and and getting personal trainers to to go into corporate environments and run fitness sessions with the staff there, and that business was set up and it was going and and things were good, and I decided to move to Edinburgh a couple of years after after growing that. But when I moved to Edinburgh, I never really kind of I struggled to get that working to the point that I wanted to, and it was then that I realised that personal trainers typically have are typically are terrible at marketing. And, and when I saw that, I saw that there was a, a space there to, to go into the marketing world and help these guys with, with their marketing. And it was then, that was kind of the inception of what I do now. Over, over that kind of first few months of, of running that business, working with PTs, I decided to get more and more into Facebook ads and paid media and um, decided to try and go after the space of, like, like you say, become the go-to person in the UK for, for all things Facebook ads. And um, that's kind of brought me to where we are now. I've run a, a three-person small agency running ads for clients all over the world and um, do a lot of video creation. So we've got a YouTube channel where we try and put up as much educational content as possible and, and also do a lot of speaking. So speaking on stages mostly in the, in the UK right now, but uh, also do a fair bit of traveling to, to speak to people all over all over the world. And you have a dog by the sounds of it. <laughs> The dog has just come into the room and uh, very excited to see me, but he's now sleeping and, and should calm down. All right. It's like little children. As soon as you decide you want to try and do something, that's when they want your attention. 
exactly. I was <laughs> the dog was downstairs in preparation for this call, and then all I hear is is him crying at the door to get in. So good timing. So, so in in your business now, it really revolves around Facebook and Facebook ads. In that, what does a typical client look like for you? Yeah, so we we worked with businesses of all shapes and sizes. Um, like initially, kind of what I alluded, alluded to was it was mostly personal trainers back when we first started, but now now we're working with everyone from local chiropractors over in the states to football teams here in the UK. It's it's really a, a case we 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 typically work with anyone that comes to us that has a, a business and a product that we believe in something that's already got uh, kind of proof of concept and, and we work with that person to amplify what's already working from a Facebook point of view. Um, so that might be a football team that's trying to sell more season tickets or uh, a local chiropractor that's super busy with clients but wants to reach more people in their local area. We can use Facebook ads to, to reach those people. Um, but there's no, we've never kind of niched down into a specific industry. So it's always kind of been the the businesses that have an offer or funnel, if you want to call it that, that we that we typically start working with. I, I think with niching, people always focus on the niching on a vertical market. But what you've done is niche on a on a very specific technology and narrow range of tactics. Yeah. Um, and that, to be fair, has just as much and almost more value as niching on a vertical market. Um, one of the things I've seen when I look around people who do focus on Facebook ads is that the busier they get, the higher the minimum budget from the client needs to be in order to be a viable client. Is that something that has been built into your business? I imagine between chiropractors and football teams, there's a large range in what they have available to spend. Yeah, I mean, actually, the, the clients that we typically work with over in the states so the chiropractors actually typically have pretty large budgets because we're they're, they're they're not always traditional chiropractors per se that have let's say they're looking to get people into the office for 50 dollars per hour it's more kind of like long-term health programs so a client to them might be worth upwards of four thousand um, dollars and when one client's worth four thousand dollars then then we need to spend a fair amount to to get people in so uh, in, ter- in terms of budget wise, you're totally right. Like when we when we first when I first started the business, we were charging, or we were working with clients that were maybe spending like three hundred pounds per month. And uh, now we're now we're working with brands that are upwards of like thirty five thousand dollars per month. So, I think you're you're right in that the clients over the last few years have grown both in in budget and and size and and also the kind of service that we give them has has changed from back in the early days where it was maybe just very basic Facebook ads that we were running. Now, now we tend to build out the full funnel for them uh, and we kind of work with them to bring their potential customers through a full journey of, of building that relationship. So creating good content first, making people in the local area aware of that business and then driving them into taking a specific option or uh, offer or purchasing the product. So we'll work with the, with our clients to kind of see that journey through from a from an advertising point of view yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean that will make everything much more effective a facebook ad is great but it, it can only offer one part of that conversion journey uh, and if you're controlling all the different elements in that conversion journey you're going to be much more effective and have a much happier client at the end of the day 
hundred percent. I mean, that's. I mean, it's one one of the things that I learned early on was, you can be the best at Facebook ads in the world, but if, if you're sending people to uh, an offer that sucks or a product that people don't want, that's not ad proof of concept or a landing page that's poorly designed, then your ad campaign's never going to work. Yeah. Um, and so it's important to either kind of make the client aware of that and and say to them, look, here here are the basic ad process process that we're going to walk through and if we're not seeing results from this it's could potentially be because of the the back end of the offer or the website if we handle that then we can make sure that it's going to work yeah and the team that you have you said you're a team of three so yeah. that's you and two others yeah and are they employees as such uh one of them is yep yeah. so one works part-time and then kind of similar to yourself that got one one account manager that's contracted who, mm -hmm. who handles the client accounts. And I, I've, if you asked me a few years ago, uh, I would have said I wanted the biggest agency I could yeah. on, on people. Um, but kind of very quickly learned that it's not all that it makes out to be and uh, want to keep it as lean, as lean as possible and, and, and make as much money as possible whilst keeping the overheads as low as possible. Yeah, I think early on in business and I, th I think maybe it's a thing of its time I think but for a lot of my career and I think a lot of people even now they equate success with size and actually some of the most successful agencies in the world are tiny they just use people they breathe in and out through contractors and freelancers uh, in a much more dynamic way and I, I can see quite clearly that you're doing that yeah uh, absolutely like it what I met with a friend, John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire uh, a few months ago. And, and That's a big name drop. <laughs> name drop, yeah. And he he, um, he he was in Edinburgh, so we, we spent the day together. And it was just fascinating to hear how they've got uh, a business of about three four or five people, of which three of them are contractors and the other two are him and his, and his girlfriend, Kate. Yeah. And... Um, well, you can go to their website and look at their income reports. They they do, it's a it's a very big business, but not a very big team. Yeah. And and I I, I don't think you need to build a, a huge agency to be successful. I think I think one of one of the things that kind of struck me was looking and speaking to agents to fellow agency owners and and just hearing that not one of them seemed to be super excited about what they were doing. It was always moaning about the fact that they hadn't got on to the government preferred suppliers list and they were constantly putting in pitches and proposals and getting turned down and I was just going like as a 19 year old I was like this doesn't sound like fun just constantly doing work writing proposals going in pitching competing against other people I thought is there not a better way to to position myself as an expert in a specific field and to have people come to me as opposed to me constantly going out to them uh, and that's kind of what I set out to to go and do and i'm going to come to that in a minute because that really is where you stand out is how you've gone around building that personal brand and promoting your business yourself and your business it's really been pretty stellar in fact let's go there now um where i first encountered you was in your videos obviously you're very active on youtube and i don't know if it's a little bit smoke and mirrors i was speaking to somebody in local radio 
a little while ago. And there's one business in my area that seems to be always advertising on the radio and they have a really annoying song that everybody knows. Uh, but the guy from local radio told me they actually only advertise once every three or four months, but they do it consistently. So to everybody, it seems like they're always there. I can imagine your content marketing is a little bit like that. But to me, it looks like you're omnipresent in video. It's really quite powerful. But what was your journey in video? Because I looked on YouTube and you've been doing it for about two years now. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to hear how that felt when you started in particular. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's basically, if we go back, uh, rewind a couple of years, I was I had a, a very, very early stages of business and I was I was looking up at people in, in the space and, and speaking to mentors and realized that video was one of the options or one of the ways I wanted to promote the business because I just felt at the time it was one of the the best ways to be able to build trust and to kind of what we've alluded to here is, is to get people to feel like they already know me. Um, I just felt that video was one of the best ways to do that. And so I was like, right, I need to create video. Let's get into this video thing. But for, for a very long time, I was, I felt like I, I was held back by the fear of creating video. So I was really, really scared about filming myself because I didn't want, I didn't want friends and family to look at me and speak to me and ask me why I was doing these weird things scared of getting out in public and filming in public because I, I thought people might think I was a little bit weird and so for a very long time I, I, I put off creating video but it was as you say about two years ago that I decided to film my first video and because of this fear that I had about creating video to to get that initial video out I took my phone into a forest and filmed my first ever video in a forest so no one could see me so it's it's a video it's still on my youtube channel it's a video about how to grow it's called how to grow your twitter followers or something like that i watched it this morning did you yeah yeah and and as you would have seen filmed in a forest it's low quality everything about it's pretty terrible but it was my first video and that was the video that kind of got me started on this journey and like I said, I, I, I kind of built up this fear of creating video. Um, but when that one went live, like nothing happened. Nobody watched it. No one cared. There was no engagement, hardly any views. And so I said to myself, well, I've got myself wound up about nothing. Maybe, maybe I'm actually not very good at this video thing. <laughs> and, and so I need to get better, better at it. And, and looking back, video is one of those things that you can only really get good at it if you do it. You can practice, you can be a great public speaker, you can be great at conversation, being able to articulate a message, but something happens when, or for 99% of people, something happens when you go in front of a camera and you change. And it's, I, I always try and explain video as, if me and you were having a conversation in person, Bob, you wouldn't, and I asked you to describe something to me, I, I asked you to explain your podcast. You wouldn't start explaining it and then 10 seconds in go, ah, sorry, Gav, I didn't like what I just <laughs> said. Can we cut that and start this conversation again, please? Like that, that wouldn't happen. But for 99% of people, including myself, who's been doing this for years, if you asked me to explain my business on camera, the chances are I probably wouldn't get it on the first take. I would probably go, right, that was all right, but I want to do it again. And, and so I always... Something happens when we get in front of a camera, even though it's literally just like having a conversation to people. But I, I posted that first video in the forest and then 
because I decided I needed to get better, I, I decided because I'm quite a competitive person that I needed to set this up as a challenge. And so I set up a, a challenge of 100 vlogs in 100 days, where every single day for 100 days, I was going to pick up my phone and speak into my camera about something that I'd maybe learned or something that I'd done that day. So for example, I might have picked up my phone and said, had a really interesting chat with Bob on his podcast today. We spoke about X, Y, Z. Here is a really interesting point that came out of it. And I would share that on, on Facebook and YouTube. And these videos weren't edited. They weren't great. They weren't high quality. It was All I was doing was trying to get into the process of just creating, of just getting into the habit of being able to speak on camera. Uh, and that kind of helped me become a little bit more confident on camera. I was able to articulate my message slightly better. And overall, it just helped me become better on, on video. And and then at the end of those 100 days, I decided that I was going to start a weekly video. I, cause I, I thought to myself, I'm, I'm not getting much engagement on these videos. I'm getting maybe like 20, 10, 20, 30, 40 views. But people are saying things when I meet them for the first time, like, Gav, I feel like I already know you. Or Gav, I watched that video and I really resonated with that point that you said. And I was saying to myself, well, if people are feeling like that after watching one of these kind of not very good videos, what would happen if I actually put a lot of effort in storytelling and edited these videos? And so I started a weekly vlog and, and that was when you know, things really took off. So, so in two, I think two years, two years ago, my videos were, or last year, my videos were seen over 2 million times on Facebook and YouTube, which is just absolutely crazy to think that two years ago I was in the forest and then the year later millions of people were watching watching my videos online um, so it's been a really fun journey I've, I've learned a lot and um, if we can maybe draw one lesson from that story it's video is you're not going to be very good on video when you first start but it's such an important way to market the business that you just have to embrace that messy period at the beginning embrace the fact <laughs> that you're not very good and just start anyway and not don't judge yourself based on how well the video performs online engagement likes views etc judge your performance based on are you actually able to post that video yeah the execution yeah so looking at the videos that you were doing maybe a year and a half ago yeah. um, in an average week how long would you be spending on those so the I mean, when I was doing the 100 vlogs, 100 days challenge, we're talking like five minutes a day. Then then I started to create content that was the weekly videos. And that I, I was spending a lot of time on those because what I do is basically choose a day that I was going to film. So whatever I was doing that day, I would film it. And, and that doesn't take a huge amount of time, to be honest, to film because you're just kind of documenting your day as you go along. Um, so you might add like an hour of filming of, of things that you maybe weren't doing before. But what the kind of real time suck for video creation is the editing process. So getting all the footage off your camera, putting it into your editing software, filtering that out, cutting it up, putting music on. That That's the bit that takes a lot of time. And um, so I was probably spending, when I was, when I was creating videos myself, maybe four hours at the weekend editing videos and putting them up. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I guess I guess probably four hours editing, an hour to shoot, and then you've probably got an hour of uh, promoting that, uploading it to YouTube, doing all the titles and and that type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, when I when I look at it, it's probably about a day's worth of work. 
to, to get the video up. But um, now, about six months ago, I hired a, a videographer who, who now does pretty much all my shooting with me and does all my editing. So that's taken that massive strain off of me. Right. So you you simply have to, well, if you take, for example, you're, you were at Social Media Marketing World, yep. I think it was last week. Yep. Um, and I watched that video, the sort of the, the journey to San Diego. Yep. What was your production workflow on that? How much of that were you doing and how much of that were you getting help with? Yeah. So, I mean, these ones are quite funny. So I was obviously traveling to social media marketing world and, and filming the trip there and, and filming my first couple of days there. Um, so I did all the filming there. It was just me that was going on my own. So I just had my camera with me or used my phone to try and tell a little bit of a story behind the day. Uh, and then we'd upload the videos to Google Drive overnight where Ed would then pick them up on the days that he was working and he'd edit them and, and posted them. So I actually didn't watch the videos until I got back. And like my girlfriend and everyone saw all the, the videos before me. So that's kind of nerve wracking <laughs> to allow Ed to edit and post without me kind of going through things. But we've kind of reached a point now where he knows what we're trying to do. And it makes it a lot easier. It was kind of funny because obviously there's a seven hour time difference between San Diego where I was and, and, and Scotland. And one night, there was the it was the eighties night social media marketing world and I, I remember getting in at three in the morning uh and I had a got a text from Ed being like, uh, have you uploaded the videos yet? <laughs> because it was obviously ten ten AM UK time and he was starting to work and I was like, Oh no. So I kind of had a few drinks in me, had to upload the videos at three in the morning so so Ed could get started on, on editing that that piece of content. That's really interesting because from the outside, it just looks like you're having a lot of fun and you're being quite dynamic and posting this video, but people don't appreciate all the moving parts there. With the kind of stuff that you're doing now, and I think that San Diego video for me is a good example, you're doing quite a lot of that in public. And for me, that's just boh, mind blown. And the contrast between that video two years ago in the forest and the video last week which is filmed to an extent in a busy airport on a plane um, and places like that how do you handle the mental side of everybody's looking at me what people are thinking well yeah the confidence side of that how does that work yeah for sure that's, that's a great question i um it still doesn't sit right with me like i wish i felt confident and could easily record myself in public but the but the reality is, like, I still hate it. I'm, I'm more than comfortable speaking to a camera behind closed doors, but going out into the street and filming, I always feel really, really awkward, um, which can actually be a bit of a, can be, like, it's, it's really annoying when you're like, I need to get a clip here to be able to tell the story so it makes sense on video, but there's so many people here, I don't want to film anything. Um, but one of, one of the things that I found that works or, or has helped me is at social media marketing world, for example, I was around the right people. So everyone there was a social media person. And so there's people walking around doing Facebook Live, speaking to their phone. There's people there posing for Instagram pictures and it's just normal. So I feel like I was, I was around the right people. Um, and another thing that I've found that um, is kind of, well, there, there's some like little 
mind hacks, if you want to call them that, that I found that work for me randomly, like wearing sunglasses. I find it much easier to vlog in public if I'm wearing sunglasses. Uh, headphones as well. I find it easier to vlog in public if I'm wearing headphones. And also having someone with me makes it so much easier. I don't, I don't know whether that's because I feel like I'm in a different little bubble when I'm with someone or I have my sunglasses on. Um, but when me and Ed are filming and he's filming me, I've got no problem recording myself in front of pub in front of people. Um, but so, if we, for example, if we're walking down the street and I had a, a segment that I want to talk the camera to, I would feel comfortable doing it with Ed recording me, but I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it if I was holding the camera myself. And I don't know why that is, um, but I've just never really kind of gotten over that vlogging in public awkwardness and it's something i'm like still two years later still trying to work on still trying to figure out um, but it's it just takes time i think yeah i can totally understand that actually i mean people are used to seeing people being filmed and talking to camera that's what they do on telly yeah uh, or the tv for those in the states um but people talking to cameras and holding it themselves it still looks from the outside a little bit um, narcissistic yeah uh, and we judge people based on that. Why are you taking pictures of yourself, fil filming yourself? Clearly, it, there, there's good commercial reasons why you would do that. Once it's done and people are watching it, they like to consume it. But we're busy judging people when they're actually doing it. Yeah, this is the kind of interesting paradox, if you want to call it that, that I've, like, I'm trying to get my head around for the last two years, which is when we post the video, we want millions of people to watch it. Like we want as many people as humanly possible to watch that video. But when I'm creating that video, we don't want anyone to see us doing it. Yeah. It's so strange. Uh, I've never really understood why why that's the case. Um, yeah. Because through the video um, and your, your, your diligent use of the video, because you're not relying on YouTube, if I were to look at your LinkedIn profile, your LinkedIn profile is probably the most vibrant, fun LinkedIn profile anyone will ever see. It really is really well done. Thank you. But how you've then monetized this personal brand is great. You've got yeah, the done for you Facebook ad service, which people would expect. Um, but you've also productized really neatly and you continue to evolve that. Do you want to tell a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. So oh, as you say, we've got the, the kind of done for you side where we run client accounts. Um, but one of, one of the things, and that, that was when I first set up, that was the main service that I had. But I, I often found that there was just opportunities that were arising that I wasn't able to service. For example, people would come to me and they'd say, Gav, I've just got this tiny little thing that I need help with. And the only thing I could really do back then was say, okay, I'll help you for free. Um, which isn't a good use of time. So that then meant that I was like, okay, well, maybe I can charge for this little service. So I developed what's called a power hour where people can buy an hour of my time uh, and we can jump on Skype and sort whatever problem there is. And, and then uh, I was like, right, I don't want to build a massive course. So what sort of agency, so what sort of income streams can I create that doesn't necessarily mean that when I make a sale, I need to spend more time on it. And so I decided uh, last year, about a year and a half ago, to, to launch a course teaching people how to run Facebook ads themselves. And, and that did really well. It was priced at about uh, 597. Uh, and we had quite a few people 
go through that program and, and get great results. But one of, one of the things that I found with the course was a surprising amount of people would buy it and not take action on it and just never go into it. And I was like, why are people spending this money and then never actually going into the program and, and learning? And so I decided to, um, I had a Facebook group before, but I decided to relaunch my Facebook group and try and make it super engaged. So I, I did that about nine months ago. And when we got to 500 members or so, I was like, right, okay, let's survey the members and see what they want, what they want to create, how they want to learn, etc., and, and build a product for people that they actually wanted, as opposed to just saying, or just presuming that people wanted a course. Uh, and so I did. So I surveyed and about nine, 89% or something of people came back and said that they wanted a membership where they paid a monthly fee and they got access to training on how to run ads, how to set up your funnel, how to generate leads through Facebook, all those great things. But they also wanted like support as they, as they went through that. And so I thought, okay, well, let's take that feedback on, on board. And, and that's where the idea for my latest product came came in, which is called My Funnel Academy, which is essentially going to be a, a kind of framework, a monthly membership that provides people a framework of step one, step two, step three, what you need to do. So for example, step one is very basic things like developing your perfect customer. Who is your perfect customer? And then we move into, let's creating, create a lead magnet. And then we move into uh, creating the content, creating the funnel, how to run the ads through that. But they also get a weekly group coaching call with me if they've got any questions to kind of try and keep them accountable. So I, I've always tried to create different products and different revenue streams that uh, mean that I can help people at a larger scale. So one of the th another thing that came of the course was people said they couldn't afford it. So I was like, okay, well, let's create something that the people that can't afford the course can also buy so I can try and help uh, a much larger number of people without necessarily having to spend a huge amount of time with those people. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think there's there's a place for that probably in everybody's business. It's just taking the time to produce it, but also having the audience that means that it's worth doing. Yeah. Which you've done really, really well. And on that basis, if you were doing it again, um, given that a large portion of my audience is people like you and I, uh, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and your strength is is unusual. Um, well, I'm not sure if it's your strength that's unusual, but your execution has been ex unusually good. Um, so what would be one piece of advice you could offer somebody if they wanted to build an audience, not necessarily imitating what you've done because everybody's different but yeah what would you what would you have to drop into that very vague question uh, yeah I, I think <laughs> the the main thing would be you just need to start creating um that might be a podcast like yourself bob that might be videos like me but you just need to start creating something of value so first of all who is your perfect customer what problems do they have and how can you solve that through either written audio or or video content and you will slowly start to build an audience of people that are interested. Uh, I mean, like I, I was speaking at an event yesterday where I, I spoke about the importance of, of creating video and um, somebody went away literally after the event, sat in their car, filmed their first video, uploaded it to LinkedIn 
uh, about a topic that, uh, around their business and they got like 1,200 views in the first day. And like, that's somebody that's never done video before, someone that's never tried to build an audience, but that person has now started to, if he continues to create video content every day or every week, he'll start to become known as the guy on LinkedIn that creates content around his topic, which builds authority and is gonna start getting uh, messages ask for people who want to work with them because he is showing himself as the go-to person so for me it's it's like just your first con like bob you probably look at your your initial podcast and think god that was terrible like just how i look back at my first blogs my first videos no no one looks back at their first stuff and thinks that was great um, <laughs> and so you just need to start uh, and once you get started you, you'll start to iron out the kinks you'll see what people actually want you'll start to develop that audience and when you start to develop that audience that's when things become exciting because you can do things like i did and survey your audience to see what product they want or you can start to launch products and you've already got people there that are probably going to buy it um so yeah so the the creation of content is for me the the kind of fundamental thing in my career that's that's given me the most leverage i really appreciate that and if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Yeah, you can either head over to my website, mrgavinbell.com, or where I'm probably easiest to get to is Instagram. Again, that's just at mrgavinbell. Gavin, I have a lot more questions that I haven't managed to ask you that I wanted to ask you about speaking, social media marketing world. I also wanted to ask you about things like why you have used Scotland so well in your videos but I don't want to take up any more of your time so I'd quite like to get you back sometime let's do it but for now thank you very much for your time no thank you for having me it's been it's been fun I honestly could have gone on for a lot longer with Gavin but I think it might have been rude I had so many more questions to ask and hopefully I can have him back sometime Gavin is a great example of always operating on the edge of your comfort zone, and the success of that is clear to see. So before I go, just a quick reminder to ask you to subscribe to the show, and if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com, or just search Gravity Digital Marketing in Facebook, and you'll find us easily enough. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Gavin for giving us his time this week. Thanks for listening to Gravity, and see you next week.